Hello friends, Andrea with the bangs here, and there's been a disturbance in the Twitterverse. So for those of you who haven't been keeping up with what's going on, there's been some talk by our friend Mr. Brett Weinstein, member of the IDW, speaking about, well, about Jesus. Uh, speaking about good old Jesus and what he means to Christians. And so I actually spoke a few days ago with uh, Paul Vanderclay, and we discuss the meaning crisis, and we look at Christianity as an answer to the meaning crisis. It's not your average, let's just look in the Bible and you've got your easy-peasy answer. No, no. We go into it, we look at the history of the search for meaning, we look at why it isn't as easy as it seems, even if you do have an answer and follow and have faith and whatnot. And I go through some of my own doubts and it was just a really good talk. We speak about the things that Brett brings up. So it's long guys. So I, uh, I just hope that, okay, you can't watch all of it. At least Watch however much you can and then go to the last 10 minutes because the sum up is pretty good. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking so you can get to the episode and let us know what you think as usual. And if you are new and you think what I'm doing is worthwhile, please don't forget to like and subscribe. Subscribe. Thanks. Hello, Paul. Should I call you Andrea? Yes, call me or Andrea. Ms. Okay. Bangs. Yeah. Well. Okay. I know because it's not true right now. I put them back. I don't. Okay. I've been asked. Well, some people said that they don't believe I have a forehead. So is it Andrea or Andrea? Okay. So I've done actually this before as well. Uh, it, it's Andrea. Andrea. Okay. Andrea. Andrea. So Andrea sounds very exotic and lovely, but that's just not my name. Andrea. All right. So Andrea. So you can call me Andrea. And like my friends call me And as well. Ben calls me Ampersand. Um, <laughs> it's up to you. It's up to you. You can just call me Andrea or And. I don't know. People think And is weird, but it's just like my, my nickname. But but you go by Paul, correct? I go by Paul. It's, it's uh, just very straightforward. Very I know. I just have all these like cutesy little like, well, I mean, you can call me this or... Just call me Andrea. But Miss Bangs is more for, like, Bangs is my Twitter persona. People, okay. People like it. So I just, I'm like, okay. But okay. we'll see if I get uh, heretical status from, from this. So, okay. So the reason why I wanted to talk with you is because there's been a lot. I mean, it actually just, I thought of talking with you for a while. And I just, I usually wait for an angle to come up. But there's been a lot of religious talk on Twitter. Thanks to uh, uh, Brett Weinstein, as uh, yeah. most of the viewers know, um, talking about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh Jesus, that just guy. can't keep him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but who do you say that he is, Paul? Well, that's what I'm preaching about. Tomorrow, so, okay. So. so here's the thing. I okay. I, you did a whole video, and I started watching. I actually watched like about. 20 minutes of it before because I only had so much time to prepare because we only just figured this out yesterday. So, okay. And I do very long videos. <laughs> yeah, you do. 
I, I just I need more time laundry. to prep next time, Paul. Okay, so here's the thing. I have been doing a series about, oh, I've been touching on meaning, but I've really been looking at things uh, about the IDW, but I kind of feel like the IDW is an a, a, not answer. It's an answer to symptoms of the meaning crisis. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I want to know, so there are a few things I want to kind of go with you. I want to, I do want to get to the, the sort of religion-y Brett Weinstein talk, not just him, but the, the subject that's been brought up on Twitter that people have been discussing. But I do mm-hmm. want to talk about what do you think is going on in terms of the IDW answering the meaning crisis, if that makes sense. And how is it answering that? Do you have thoughts on that? Oh, I, the, I have thoughts on everything. And if you okay. watch my channel, you'll learn that. So the IDW is something that was coined by Brett's brother, Eric. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways the IDW is more political. Okay. And religious. I thought it was more cultural. Like, well, like cultural. I think context. especially for the the kind of attention, let's say, Andrew Yang is getting from Eric and Brad oh, and okay. Dave Rubin. I see, I in my how to categorize the IDW, I think for the most part, they are in many ways like myself, uh, people who had traditionally been um voted democratic. Mm-hmm. Probably more to the left politically, okay. for whom uh, the there's been a degree of alienation by the rise of woke culture. Yes, and okay. that's very much seen. I, I, the way I, the way I relate politics and religion is that politics is now and religion is always, and so they are connected. But I think. Politics is almost always downstream from religion and culture and always much narrowly, more narrowly focused and more particular. So I, you know, Eric coins this phrase and it sort of takes on some resonance sufficient to that. The New York Times publishes a piece about it. Mm-hmm. But the more I listen to its various members and where I see they've gotten their traction you know okay. ben shapiro um yeah. although ben is always he's always he's i mean it's a fairly diverse bunch so ben is over obviously on the right yeah. a a right wing pundit jordan peterson who's canadian so he's kind of out of the ballpark but mm. appeared regularly on fox news for a while but if you look at sam harris eric and brett weinstein all of them in a sense they are refugees from the left who sort of like Dave Rubin feel on the political outs and are looking to create a new path. I don't see now Jordan Peterson very much is front and center in the meaning crisis because Mm -hmm. the heart of Peterson's message wasn't primarily political, although he plays plenty on that on that strain and gets pulled over there by Ruben and the Weinsteins and, and goes there himself often. Mm -hmm. I think the heart of Peterson's work has been, he's attempting to help individuals basically get out of 
nihilistic depression yeah. and being stuck. Yeah. And so that's, but, you know, it was really John Verveke when I started listening to his awakening from the meaning crisis, that that meaning crisis term really started to bring things better into focus in terms of the culture. Okay. And the, the truth is we've been in a meaning crisis for a long time. It sort of ebbs and flows. If you look at the Inklings, for example, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, uh, Owen Barfield, and and then you know Charles Williams and a number of others who aren't as aren't as famous, they also were addressing the meaning crisis post World War One into the Second World War. Okay. And so these issues have been around in the culture for a very long time. Well, I mean, we look at Nietzsche or Nietzsche. I believe it's pronounced. Okay, I get I get scolded. I get scolded on that in the comment section of my channel. Nietzsche. Nietzsche. So I mean, he he was in in a way a um I mean prophetic in in understanding there was a crisis before the public realized it. It seems, and I actually spoke with someone, uh, Stephen Klaus. He's a He's a, a do going for his uh, philosophy PhD. He's doing his dissertation right now. He's been off of Twitter. Um, I really want to interview him again, but he's writing his dissertation and has said he's got to do that before he does more interviews. But he and I spoke about. Uh, he's very interested in Nietzsche and what that perspective is, and he's he's a specialist in um, Aristotle, along with founding fathers' understanding of Aristotle. Mm. Interesting. And, and yeah, it's very interesting overlap there. But he also was, we were talking about, we actually like, I wanted to talk about like this, like what we're talking about and like, well, what's the answer if God is dead and you've killed him and replaced him with nothing? What's the answer? But we accidentally just ended up talking about virtue and what is a citizen and what is, what does it mean to be a citizen now versus then versus then, then, back in the ancients versus the, you know, whatever. So anyway, so we were talking about how, I guess, kind of how did we get here? So we we did almost like a preliminary, like, let's let's kind of lay the groundwork. What what was it? How did they find meaning then? What what did it, what did it look like to serve? To You had your own gods in your own city. You didn't have to really worry. You warred a little bit with the others who didn't have your God, but you're only concerned with your little polity and serving Athena or serving Ares or serving Poseidon or serving whoever. And so you're, it was doable in the sort of city state way that they had it back then. And so, and then we ended it with me being like, okay, but we didn't cover what to do now. Cause we talked a little bit about Christianity as well and how that was sort of an answer to well, not sort of like that was an answer to like meaning crisis in first century Palestine <laughs> in a way, because it, it, uh, he talks about, cause this is stuff I learned from my degree. I have a Christian studies degree with a minor in history. And oh, okay. this is exactly what I remember learning in like, you know, history, Christian history 101 about the Hellenization of Judaism, which is Christianity basically. And Oh yeah, we, that's why we talked about, um, Ben Shapiro's Judeo-Christian thing about mm. the, um, what was it, the the burning of Notre Dame. And so we talked a little, because he wrote a response to that, and I actually made a little video response to that. So we talked about 
that. So that's so we've got in some important things, but I didn't get to the meat of like, well, what do we do now? How should we then live? You know? So anywho, I am that's where I want to I want to start here. I do want to start with him eventually when he's done his dissertation. But I, I want to talk about that here. So Brent was saying in that little piece you showed from his um a debate, not really debate, discussion with Alistair McGrath. Alistair basically, so you're suggesting a new religion then? You know, and that kind of, like, it's an answer to Nietzsche. Like, that's what it is. Is it? Isn't it? Is that, am I reading it properly? You should, you should have John Verveke on your channel. He'll okay. probably say yes. Okay. And, I would love and to if have you, him. I need to, like, if you, What's that? I need to like get to know him a bit and be like, hey, I'm not a random asking. I need to be like, hey, you know me a little bit from comments on Twitter. He's he's very he's very open and willing to speak, and he does. He's been doing a lot of interviews, and okay. and what you are asking is exactly in is exactly what he is trying to address. Okay. So he would be a good guest. Okay. Now now. There's sort of three of us. Maybe you should have Jonathan Peugeot on too. Okay. Um, Maybe I should have sort all of, of you on at the same time. <laughs> all of us on, uh, or or uh, Sevilla King, her too. Um, okay. I don't know if you know her channel, Quality Experience. She's out there too. I'll have to and look it up. some of the other people, Mary Cohen, and I mean, there's a whole bunch of us talking about this. Okay. Now, so I think John Verveke does. Uh, does a good job laying out the philosophical history and the roots of this. Okay. I see things differently in some places, partly because of my religious commitments, but um, he and I are very, you know, are very conversant on this. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the way, one of the easy ways to get into it. Um, this is a little book by Charles Taylor. He generally okay. writes really fat books like, um, like sources Sources of the Self, oh gosh, that's um, yeah. or a Secular Age, huge books. Uh, Charles Taylor made the observation that part of part of what happens in modernity is that we are no longer born into a strata, uh, born into an external storied structure. Now I'm adding my own take to this, which I usually do when I quote these people. So purists will come to me and say, no, that, that's not exactly what they said. And okay. So I fudge all this stuff, okay. but um, we, we are born, we are born into a storied structure that connects heaven and earth. Okay? okay. And, and we derive our place in the universe from that structure. And these that's are our ancestors, or this is how we traditionally came into the world. That's how almost all traditional societal societies work. Okay. There is a there is a story within which everyone lives. Now this gets at my thesis that that you and I, although in this materialist age we tend to fixate sort of on our bodies, that I am this body, and that's very true. Mm -hmm. But we are really weird bodies because we are in, we are storied creatures. And illustration I like to use of this is. Visiting my grandmother once when I was in college, or probably seminary at that point, and she she was in her late 80s by this point, and I'm in my early 20s, and she looks at me and she says, you know, when I when I think about myself, I think about myself as being in my 20s, and when I look in the mirror here, my body is you know in my late 80s. 
And this is a strange thing. And it's strange because our bodies age, our bodies change. We were children and we grew Mm -hmm. and all of these things. And then we grow old. But we don't feel that way. Well, well, what is the we that we're thinking about? And really, in, in a sense, and, and you'll get this in Benjamin Boyce's conversation with John Verveke, okay. that we are, in a sense, this autobiography. And that's the me I think about. And and I thirst, first thought of this a number of years ago when I was really wrestling with, you know, what does it mean that we have the promise of the resurrection? Mm-hmm. Because there's all these questions that revolve around it. Well, and it's phrased by Christians in lots of different ways. Well, when I get to heaven, how old will I look? You know, is it going to be me in my 20s? Is it going to be in me in my 50s? My grandmother had some very strange ideas that with our new bodies, our new bodies will be unrecognizable, partly because Jesus was seen to be hard to recognize. So after my grandfather died, she felt quite sad because she imagined she wouldn't recognize him when she got to heaven. And I thought, Grandma, that's pretty sad. But they also did recognize him when he decided to unveil. Exactly. So anyway, but but that just it just emphasizes the fact that we are very strange creatures mm. because this duality between heaven and earth is built right inside of us. Okay, and wait. We feel that. Can you can you explain that a little further? The the heaven and earth thing being inside of us? Well, the the book of Ecclesiastes has this great line, you have put eternity into our hearts. And and so when we when we grow old and we lose strength or or our situation changes, there's a longing for the past. And so there's this aspect to us that is eternal and this aspect to us that is very much in what I call the age of decay. And we live between those two poles. Okay, okay. So that's what the image I have of myself, like I'd say it's me now, but when I'm 80, I'll be thinking of me this from this particular video. I'll watch it again. And then I'll be like, yeah, that's how I see myself now. Like it'll, that? Be a, it'll be a little different because now that I'm in my mid fifties and can look back at myself on my twenties, it's a very interesting dynamic, but yes, very much like that. Okay. Well, I'm in my thirties, so okay. a little bit ahead of the twenties, <laughs> okay. but you're like, girl, it doesn't matter. You're a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know how that looks when my May kids... you grow old Well um, it's funny my kids ask like, well, when I... Because my son is turning six tomorrow And well I have three sons But my, my middle guy Is turning six tomorrow And he would say things like Mommy when I'm six will I still Like whatever blank thing You know like will I still like dinosaurs Will I still Or mommy when I'm six I'll be able to do this and it's sort of like a reverse thing of yes, a sort yes. of I'm going to be able to or, or uh, being worried about, well, am I not going to be me anymore when I'm six or, uh, well, I'll be old enough to do that thing. I'm ner- I'm nervous to do it now, but I think I'll be able to do it when I'm older. And and yeah, so it's a weird it's kids kind of do that, too, in a way. But yeah, that's an interesting. So. So you're, you're, so those examples of imagining yourself back or imagining yourself forward, those are the eternity along with the, um, what is it? Decaying the, the, dichotomy? Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. And it's and it's in many ways not dissimilar to the ancient, um, you know, in again in the text that I'm preaching on this Sunday in Mark eight, Jesus says, you know, what will you gain if you um, gain the world, lose your but soul. lose your well, and and now if you pay attention to various translations, you'll see sometimes it's soul, sometimes it's life, oh. and it's this it's the psyche. And oh, is that this, the word used in Greek? Like psyche? that's right, that's right, the suke, and it's okay. it's it's so soul. But depending on what age is making that translation, they're dealing with this question of what really am I? And and that's the same question that was built into my grandmother's observation: what really am I? And and this <coughs> this crisis between these two elements of ourselves is now on full display in the culture. And one of the manifestations that you can see it at is the whole gender dysphoria uh, epidemic, I? let's yeah. call it. Okay. Because, and, and you know, it's I don't think it's accidental that it was over these pronouns that Jordan Peterson kind of took off into the political sphere. Okay. Because it's it's right here at the question of heaven and earth that we are, that we are working through these things. Now... This is this is a very this is a very important conversation because we have for the last hundred years been working a been working a line that says we are fundamentally animals that have an illusory experience of eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I think a very dangerous position to have. Yeah. Because what it what see and well, I think it's a very day. I've been reading Timothy Snyder's Black Earth, and that whenever you read Timothy Snyder's books, that scares the heck out of you. Because I don't know, I'm not about, familiar with him. What he writes books about the um, the middle of the 20th century. Um, oh. A lot of the stuff that Jordan Peterson was fascinated by Nazism, okay. uh, communism, totalitarian governments, yeah. and he writes. He's a historian though, so whereas Peterson. Oh, okay. Peterson is kind of pulling all these things together in sort of an integrated picture. Timothy Snyder's a historian. Right. But you you, re you begin to realize that in, in many ways, the middle of the 20th century was also in a sociopolitical way working through these issues. Mm -hmm. Because basically what the what what communism offered was an answer that, well, we are we are economic and class animals, mm -hmm. and the state is our container. Oh, and, okay. the Nazi, and the Nazis basically said, no, we're just animals. And all of this second level eternity stuff, that's all from the Jews. And we got to get the Jewishness out of the world. And I never understood why they hated the Jews. In fact, I so I've got part of my ancestry is very Jewish. Distant relatives were wiped out in the Holocaust, which oh, okay. we didn't know. But um, for a whole bunch of reasons, but I, I, I always wondered, you know, what's 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 at the heart of anti-Semitism? And you can understand some of the things throughout European history, but but what's with the Nazis? And Timothy Snyder writes quite a bit about that. But he's saying basically we're animals and we have to get rid of the state and and just let nature flourish. Mm. And that was sort of the Nazi ideal. And and so what we're doing right now is we're wrestling with this question of do we have souls? And so that's the wait, that's at the heart of the meaning crisis. 
I, I think the I think the the in, struggle in between opinion. these two aspects. Okay. Yes. And and so Owen Barfield, who's another, he was a friend of C.S. Lewis. He comes in here with a very interesting take because he looks at the evolution of consciousness yeah. in this. And you begin to note all these interesting things in the Bible in terms of, well, and, and this gets played on and off throughout Christian history. For example, when you go to church and the priest elevates the host, mm-hmm. is that the body of Christ. Now, yeah. ask a Protestant, ask a Catholic. I and, know, very different. And, Transubstantiation yeah. is a fun That's subject. Right. Yes, yep. So so very quickly, all of these ideas, this question of how do heaven and earth connect? And actually, if you understand it, and I just use those terms on Twitter today, and a lot of people, once you say heaven, they hear it in very religious terms, and they sort of dismiss it. And so I try to translate it you know, how to mind and body connect, because mind right. is another way of thinking about it. And so these issues are all around us right now. And and sort of what we've seen happen, and which I think is why Jordan Peterson made such a splash, okay. is he noted he was getting at the connection of mind and body and its conjunction, Peterson says, was meaning. And that's why one of his 12 rules is, and I remember one interview he's asked, you know, which which is the most important of your 12 rules? And he said, do what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Because for Jordan Peterson, meaning is sort of this internal gyroscope that within a secular frame, because we're cut off from the heavens, because we don't believe any of that stuff, then you have to answer the question that you started with, what is right? How do you do the right thing? How can you know the good? Mm-hmm. And what Jordan basically says is follow meaning, do something. And if you experience meaning, go in that direction. Now, I have issues with that take because actually many of Jordan Peterson's opponents are doing exactly what Jordan Peterson advises them to do. They're following Jordan their Peterson meaning. adds, that's right, they're they following meaning. the meaning. And that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, well, now, when you look at the end of Judges, when it's like, and they all did what was right in their own eyes, right? And it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't very good. <laughs> Take a look at the end so, of Judges, folks. Right. But then Jordan Jordan says that, but then Jordan is also out here playing with the Bible and saying, this is kind of our foundation, so we, we shouldn't lose that. And so that's why conservative religious people listen to him and say, oh, he, he could be an ally. Yeah. But yeah, he's... But, they're but, not, he's but, but a lot of conservative religious people who I, I know, that's... Most people that I know in the offline world, because like, oh, because I like for personally, I don't know, like I, I am a Christian, but I don't, I don't fall in any denomination. I, I used to be evangelical, but I'm not. I'm a little since actually since listening to Jordan Peterson's uh, biblical lectures, I've accepted evolution and such you know like those really kinds of, yeah i am gonna have you on my channel <laughs> i know i, I know people when i tell people they're like wait you were you started a christian and then you listened to jordan peterson's biblical lectures and then went over to science but i i just found them as not mutually exclusive that's all right which isn't uncommon and a lot of and most jews actually find who wrote it like they wrote and many Genesis. catholics and orthodox too Okay, but I just think it's hilarious that a lot of uh, Protestants get 
no, seven days. And I'm like, you know, the Jews are fine with evolution most for the most part. And they literally wrote the Bible. So <laughs> at least the Old Testament. Anyway, at least the part that we're talking about in Genesis. <laughs> and uh, and the New Testament, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, duh. Well, Luke They're was a Jews Gentile. <laughs> so, sir, we have a couple Gentiles who wrote a couple books. At least Luke. He really? was Name one. Luke. Luke. Was Luke a Gentile yeah. or was he a or was he a Jew born in the diaspora like Paul? I don't know. Okay, I'm just I just assumed. I don't know. <laughs> I just always I'm always okay. I am Was Luke circumcised? Here's the big question. Oh my gosh. Oh, let's not even There's go a there. title for you. Oh, no. I yeah, I anyway, getting into a little bit of uh, splitting hairs here. Um how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Just kidding. Guys, we're getting into the uh, the weeds of theology here. So this is just some tangents for I don't usually go there in my uh, in my videos. I don't usually do because uh, I get I don't enjoy I do. I really don't enjoy discussing this with atheists that are like the, the new atheists, you know, the Sam Harris Dawkins style, because they're so mean. <laughs> and okay you you might be like okay i'm going mean from my word mean is like factual <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like for me i'm just like i don't want to do this it's not my idea of a good time because they just want to convince me they're throwing facts at me all the time and i'm like i don't care <laughs> but i do care <laughs> I do care. That's the thing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to make space in my casual Twitter day to go watch this video about why Jesus was a sham and then get back to you. I don't want to do that right now. That's not my idea of a good time in the midst of, oh, I have a break from my kids. They're having quiet time. I don't want to do that right now. So that's why I get a little bit like frustrated even though i know i should be open to dialogue but it doesn't feel like dialogue it feels like shouting it feels like they're shouting at me through twitter and it's i just i'm also a highly agreeable person some some guys i know they're like yeah just be like no i'm like no, i can't anyways i don't know if i'm gonna keep this part i'm going a little bit off the rails anyway so okay back to the meaning Luke crisis. was a gentile no just kidding <laughs> Well, we were talking about heaven and earth, heaven body and, earth. and soul. Okay. Oh, oh, I and, know. And, Jordan and that, okay. And that, so, yeah, yeah. And that we're losing this partly because we've submissed. Okay, with the partly. soul. The soul. Okay, so I was talking about Jordan Peterson and how I ended up coming over to evolution. But I still believe, uh, but I'm not that literalist Christian. I am fine to look at the Bible as as inspired, but it's written to people for a time. And it's not written for us, actually. It's written for them. It was It was not written to us, but Sorry, it was written yes. for us, as Chris. John Walton says, which okay. is kind of a nice way to say it. Yeah, that's the distinction. So I am not, yeah, there's a certain audience. There's also certain genres that are used. There's poems. There's, you know, uh, apocalyptic writing. There's historical narrative. There, you know, yeah, like, you know, I'm telling you, and you know all these things. So there, but, but I'm telling them, I'm telling the people. So there are all these different things that we have to consider that that sort of alter it for me in my understanding. 
you know, so what they mean, I think you even said it in one of your videos, like when Jesus says, uh, the son of man must suffer and die. And, and to the Jews, that's a signal, signaling something right. to right. Daniel 7. And right. and to the, even at the time, to the non-Jews, to the, the Gentiles or to whoever it is that are non-Jewish peoples, they have, would have no idea what that meant. Same, right. same for us. We might, if you don't know what son of man refers to. So there's a lot of code. It's like not there's meant a lot to be of code. coded. I'm not trying yes. to be like the codes in the Bible. I'm not one of those. The Bible code. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like that. But so to me, I have like, like people are like, wow, that's a lot of effort for, to understand this book. And like, I'm like, yes, it is. Yes. Why can't God make it simple? Well, you, have I you lived in this world? Have you looked at I what know. it looks like to be a human being? Well, I think it's because you can look at other religions and be like, well, what about reading those texts and put the effort to understand them? And I'm like... Go ahead, you, learn you, Arabic. You could, <laughs> you read could, the Quran. You could, but you absolutely could. But I... I you won't, and neither will I. My religion is this. And I think it's the best one. That's why I'm still a Christian. Like, that's the thing that is difficult for me to explain is, why do you believe it? Because I think it's the best one. That's why. And if you didn't, you would switch. I would. But that whole platform now, what you just illuminated, that is part of the meaning crisis too. Okay. Because. Yeah, let's circle back. <laughs> and 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 this is sort of what Tom Holland said in that Delling Pod interview that I played in a number of videos, where he notes that in some ways, when Christianity went out, mm -hmm. especially in the colonial period, what it did was it brought two religions. It brought confessional Christianity mm -hmm. that you know was only marginally successful in terms of taking in these lands that the British and the Dutch and the French and the Spanish tried to colonize. Mm -hmm. But then there was this other underneath thing, which is sort of the, the platform of pluralism, let's call it secularism, mm -hmm. that, that relativized all religions and at this late date now makes us religious consumers. Oh, can okay? you explain further what you mean by that? I didn't see what you're 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 mentioning. So well, the fact that you said, well, I think Christianity's right and so I'll stick with it. Yeah. What that in a sense does is disembeds you from Christianity and says, my religion is a matter of choice. Okay. That's a modern move. Does a it traditional make me a heretic? No, it doesn't. <laughs> okay. It makes you modern. Okay. And and a in it it makes you no longer let's say naive in terms of this is just the way the world is now in a sense you transcend from your embeddedness within these religions and says I now I imagine myself religion free who can now choose different religions okay okay that's again part of what I talked about with. In a traditional society, you were born embedded, mm -hmm. and and there was no outside of the world that you were embedded in. Now, right. in a sense, we're all sort of floating above it, um, opting as consumers. Okay, because people things. didn't have a right because you're born into it. You don't have a choice. 
it, it is. It is whatever you're born into. Before. Well, what, well I, but you see, we're getting to radical edges of this, because what if I were to come to you today and say, why is it that you identify as female? Okay. Oh, right. We were talking about the gender thing, and I totally went off on a tangent. Sorry. Okay. We're so, coming back So there. now I think 50 years ago, even, yeah. if you were to ask someone that, they would look at you like- You were crazy. What? what, what that's- no, or why do you, you why do you identify as human? And now I have friends who I live in a very new agey part, and we live in Calgary, so it's it could be pretty new agey there too. But you know, I'm a spiritual being having a physical experience. So I have friends that believe those kinds of things. Okay. So, but but you know, even so, you've got furries and a bunch of people who say I identify as a very large cat, let's say, and. Yeah, I know you laugh, but this is, but in a sense, when you say, when you're looking at the the menu of religious or worldview options and you say, I choose this one, mm -hmm. there's an I that exists that didn't used to exist in many traditional cultures. Okay. Okay. I can see this. Right. Well, then how did anyone ever convert to Christianity back when it was new? Good question. I don't know what it's like looking at that from the answer because the Apostle Paul did. I don't know that. See, in a in a sense, I, or I convert can't to any religion because any right. I, I guess because, anyone, right? And it because it looks it's there's both an inside and an outside perspective on this uh -huh. because in a sense, once you're within a worldview, you can't help but see that worldview world worldview from within. Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, we're looking from the outside at others. And this is where you get into some of the bar field inside outside stuff. I I don't know. Aren't we all in our own worldview though? How can anyone be exactly outside and that is very of it. true? But we do, but we do approach, and increasingly so, we do approach ident fundamental identity aspects as menu options for a life that we choose. Okay. And in a way that past generations couldn't conceive of. Right. Okay. And and that's very true and that's it's very true of our religious perspective. So how does this relate to the meaning crisis then? Well, so part of what happens, John, Ver, John Verveke and Christopher uh, Mastro Pietro have an excellent video on the symptoms of the meaning crisis. Mm -hmm. and, and what they talk about, in a sense, is this, the burden of choosing identity and the lack of foundness. Now, these are my own words I'm putting on it. The lack of foundness. Mm -hmm as a burden. So let's say you were born to parents that said, oh, and you know, well, Andrea, we're just gonna call, we're just gonna call them and. And so at some point, and can choose to put a Y on and's name and become Andy, or can put an R-E-A on the end and become Andrea but we're going to be very careful and never gender anything in their world 
until they get to a certain age. Okay. Now, you know, certain people are trying this now. Yeah, babies. Right. And is that what they're called? Babies. Babies, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, so, but, but here's a question. Okay. Have, what burden have they put on that child? Because when I was growing up, I was a boy. Uh I didn't have to think about what it meant to be a boy. Everything that I did was just boy Mm -hmm. because it was me. I was a boy. I was innocent of that choice. Now we seem to be imagining we are blessing people by launching them into this, these, into these hallways, these netherlands. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing this with religion for a number of years where people would say, well, I'm a Christian. My wife was Jewish. So we're going to raise them without any religion. And when they get old enough, they get to choose. Mm -hmm. What that posits is that there's a space of no religion. And, And what that means is now suddenly there's a burden of I now have to self-create. Okay. What does that say about who and what I really am? I am a cipher. I am a blank sheet of paper. And at some point, I'm going to ask myself, what exactly is the I that is attempting to choose these things? And so there's this, there's this real, there's this real, um, this real vacuum that we are trying to act out of. And what people are beginning to discover, well, so, well, I am an animal, that I can know. So I'm an animal, but what happens, and you'll hear Jordan Peterson, Verveke, many others, what happens if I live, so what? I can make all these menu choices, so what? You know, at some point, this animal is going to die. Any contemplation of the me in my grandmother, let's say, who doesn't age, that me is illusory. And so this I, which both has the burden of ultimate choice and yet is nothing, is gone in an instant, never to be known again, right. not situated in the world. And and where Verveki takes this, Verveki and Mastro Pietro, is in the zombie, so the zombie becomes the zombie becomes the the monster of the meaning crisis, if you will, who is continually trying to devour brains. We're on YouTube and we're Twitter and we're just we're just trying to consume the you know the minds of others. But that's never horrifying. Being yeah, <laughs> that is. But that's how we are, isn't it? I watched The Walking Dead. Like, I watched it for a time, and then I couldn't anymore because it was just too much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my. Okay, I read something about the zombie, but I didn't. I, I couldn't finish it because I, I had to talk with you. I was I was reading, I didn't, but I didn't know what it meant. Like, I started reading a letter between um, Verbeke and someone else on web, on the website, letter.wiki, yep, and... Yep. Talking about the Joker. Yeah, as the, see, as and re- now we're moving from zombie to Joker. As replacing the zombie. And I didn't know what he meant by zombie, though, because I'm not familiar enough with Verbeke's earlier work. So Well, here we are. 
consuming the brains of Jordan Peterson and John Verveke and 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 Sam Harris, and we're just consuming the brains. But... <laughs> okay, our little brain consuming machines. But but That's the right. thing is, like, people have always been able to like consume the brains of like authors in books. Right. Sorry, right. not sorry, not always, but for a for a time, since books have been available since the printing press. The, the the meaning crisis is the crisis and emptiness of the brain consumer because the zombie always eats but is never Wonderful. satisfied. So people back then were more satisfied? Well, the assumption, well, they were actually embedded in a, they oh, were embedded okay. in an entire story oh, right. of heaven and earth. Right. And we are now in a little iron box of secularism. We can't see the stars to navigate by. So maybe we work from a little meaning compass within us, but we're we're cut off from eternity. And everyone tells us eternity is an illusion. You are only, I mean, because the zombie cannot talk. The zombie cannot function on, on, on the level of the soul. And this is what Verveke says? Yeah, this is this is the kind of stuff he's okay, working on. Okay, I have on, yeah. to like do a deep dive. Okay, okay. Well, the, the problem is there's a lot there. I know so. that's why I haven't started because I'm like I don't even know. Okay, here's the thing. So, actually, no, there's a couple things. And with I'll just say with Verveke, watch the watch the one about zombies with him and Mastro Pietro, and the one on symptoms of the meaning crisis, and then watch other interviews. Okay, because he. He lands the plane quite a bit more quickly in the other interviews. If you do his whole course awakening from the meaning crisis, there's 50 hours. So just be warned. Okay. Well, or, or, or and Andrew Sweeney has been blogging on Medium summaries of Verveke. Oh, that's okay. another good way I'm to. I'm going to write that down. That's another good way to get at what Verveke is doing. Okay. So the thing is. The, in Christianity, though, the 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 material, like the body, is is emphasized, though. Yes, it is. Right, and, and it doesn't go away. We are raised from the dead. The, but yeah, and, and that's the th the whole like thing against Gnosticism and that's correct. and uh, docetism and all those other uh, little sects or her heresies, I guess, depending on. How you view them. That's right. Um, for, I guess, those of you who don't know what Gnosticism is, it's the idea that Jesus just came in spirit, not physically. And the the sort of bodily resurrection when, when he doubting acted Thomas. as if he had a body. Right. But no, yeah, but the idea of like, <laughs> like, put your, like, put your hands in my, in, like, touch the scars, touch my side. I'm a physical being, you know. Watch me eat a fish. Yeah. So those are. That is very emphasized in, in the Christian worldview that we are bodily beings with yes. with depth and soul and spirit. Yes. We're I mean, I remember my mom used to We're be a like, living tri nefesh. Tripartite beings. Is we are the we are the stuff of earth and the breath of God. Right. Genesis two. Right. So so it's a balance, I suppose. It's both and. Okay. Because balance assumes it's both Either and. Or, it's a complete it's integration. Integrated. Okay, so it's an integrated system. And the idea of pulling away one, like the Gnostics wanted to just have spiritual, 
But now our scientism friends want it to just be physical. And to me, it just seems, even coming from a pragmatic, like, well, what works? What works the best? And this is what I've sort of observed all of the different peoples who survived atrocious times, you know, in um, the gulag or people who were in, well, not necessarily, in, like, because I know Viktor Frankl, was he religious? He wasn't religious, was he? Uh, not really. No. Not that I could tell from, I've only read one of his books, Man's yeah, Search for yeah, Me, yeah, which me is too. an excellent book. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, he always said the best of them didn't make it. Anyway, but, um, but, but, well, there's not room for, there's not much room for uh, altruism in a concentration camp. But at least in the Gulag uh, accounts that I've read, I've read Solzhenitsyn, and I mean, part of it, I haven't, it's so big, but I've read, I've read, and then someone else actually came up like did a, a Twitter thread of a guy who was similar to Solzhenitsyn, but his stuff was like buried since the seventies. And wow. it was, I, I can't, I wish I would have written this guy's name down, but similar sort of um, testimonial of what the people who always ended up making it through, or at least not having, not, not uh bowing down and not having their spears broken even if they literally died those who made it through were the ones who were had had faith right, so they right. said like you know the, the orthodox like uh um priests or none or not no that's not because they're orthodox so they don't have those but the the people who were religious orthodox priests they do have priests oh i'm sorry i'm thinking right. like um protestant catholic though. but they, so they do have priests yeah they do yeah I studied this. I should know. Anyway, <laughs> it's been a while. It's been like 10 years. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so those who were re like, like really had a deep faith were the ones who would stand up. Like, I remember reading this one woman about this woman who they took in the beginning of the, the, of uh, Gulag uh, Archipelago. And she says to the, the guards there, she wasn't even in the, um, in the gulag yet she was just being like in the holding facility and she's like there's she looked at them and she's like there's nothing you can do to me you can kill me but i don't care because i know where i'm going and like and you don't even know what to do with me because you are looking at him and you're afraid that he's going to report you for not doing the proper things to break me and then he's afraid that you will do the same to him and i win basically is what she's saying she's like 80. And they let her go because they did not know what to do with her. Right, right. And I just like, it blew my mind because she also was super old. I mean, honestly, if you're like, I've lived my life, like I, you know, but she also had this sort of, she had something they didn't understand, something yeah. that was beyond. And yeah. it's like, she had her meaning, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And, and it just, it, it, it seems to work. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes. In the storm, you don't yes. know. Like if you have, if you have a, a calm, a calm sea, you're not really a sailor until you weather a storm. 
That's it's what true. it seems like to me. So, and again, there are a lot of people who could break though, like who are like, oh well, the who like you could come up with, well, these Christians they broke, like they they you know denied their faith. You know, you can come up with as many. Well, look stories. at Peter. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's why it's nice that we have grace. Under the withering assault of a slave girl warming herself by the fire. <laughs> he did. Denies him. Not once, not twice. Three times. Three Thrice. Times. Thrice. Yes. You're right. And that's why it is nice that we're not damned to hell if we do deny. But the ones, but there are there's just these stories that have really stood out of the people who can be stronger than a total, totalitarian threat of death are the ones who have something to hold on to that is bigger than our physical world. And that's the thing that I'm like, I don't, and I mean, some Buddhist monks might have this. I don't know. I don't want to act like I have read all the stories of people who can go, go into another plane. You know what I mean? So I, I might be wrong in this, but it seems like those who have a grasp on that eternity bit in the hard times, and I mean hard times like not North American, Western Europe hard times. Maybe, maybe you oh, know, Western, we're having a we're yeah. having a recession. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know, I know. So maybe Western Europe in you know World War Two, and and Eastern Europe and uh, during and and the and all of you know Russia during the Cold War and what whatnot during the Soviet Union. Those are the hard times I'm thinking of. It seems so. That's what I mean by the pragmatic. It seems to work better than. Oh yeah, we just rely on ourselves and our and our own sort of moral compass from within. That doesn't seem to weather the hardest times. It seems like you need something outside of yourself to be striving for, and that's where they could say, okay, so the good as opposed to the god. And so that's where Peterson doesn't go far enough for some. And but but then the scientist people, the scientism folks are like, yeah, Peterson's wrong anyway. So, well, so there's you're, different you're categories. You're hitting exactly. You're hitting exact so so Richard Dawkins and Joe and Joe Rogan sit there and say, I don't know why everyone in the world, in the ancient world, came out religious. And it's like, you know how bad the world was? I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's a breeding ground for religion for exactly the dynamic you just put your finger on. Mm -hmm. And why why is the greatest cause of death due to meaning crisis suicide? And it's happening in the affluent West. Right. Well, it's for all of those reasons you just described. Okay, what about, and I'm going to do sort of devil's advocate here because I know, I know that's going to happen with my secular audience. I don't actually even know. I don't know what, I I know on Twitter I have a very, very atheist space because I'm in intellectual Twitter, which is mostly atheist Twitter. So, okay. We've come to a new age, though. We don't have to live in the past anymore, Paul. We know better now. We know better. So what we have facts and we have science and we have seen where religious fanaticism, a.k.a. the Crusades, a.k.a. I don't know, Maoist China, like the religion was the state. And they won't Russia. use that one. Well, no, but they say the religion. I've heard them say it's the, the religion became the state. Same oh. with Russia or yeah. Soviet oh, Union. The, the religion became the state. So they never they never they never look more deeply at the Nazis because it would terrify them if they did. Well, because the Nazis were technically Lutheran. You, you got to read Timothy Snyder. 
Okay. Because that, because basically, so Hitler tried, Hitler's first attempt at taking over Germany landed him in jail. Okay. And he learned from that. And what he learned was, you're going to have to be really sneaky about the religion thing. You're going to have to come at it from below. Okay. And you're going to have to supplant it and corrupt it. You can't directly deny it because Germany was a very Christian country. Yeah. Well, I but, mean, but, the heart but of But my Luther. approach to people that come at that is simply patience because I'll tell you something, live in this world long enough, tragedy will find you. And, and Peterson says that too. But like, what about people like Dawkins? He's lived in this world for a while. He still contends that there is this, this mind virus thing. Yeah, well, it, it, it's not going to go away, but it's also not going to get the kind of traction they imagine it will. Okay, so and let's go you, over to Brad. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's okay. Well, the, like what Brad From New is, Jersey, we interrupt each other all the time. Okay. If two people aren't talking at once, we're I'm not just, having a conversation. I'm just a nice little Canadian girl. <laughs> like, oh, I'm pa pardon me, sir. <laughs> Okay. I okay. know I know Western Canadians. My brother-in-law is one. Don't don't pull that. <laughs> Western Canadians. Okay, okay, but what about what about the idea of we're just looking at because what Brett is saying, I'm trying to think. Um I, I do want to come back to like, okay, well, what kind of religion does Brett want? That's what I'm a little bit fuzzy on. He doesn't want a religion. He wants a something. Right, so I right. do want to come back to call it a religion. A something. Yeah, but a thing. Like right. a thing that God is dead and we've killed him and, and we replaced it with nothing. Well, what's the thing we replace it with? I do want to go there. But what about the what about if we we look at people who say, well, what a well, we have science. We don't have to be superstitious anymore. That's kind of what Brett was saying. We have we can keep the wisdom but we don't need the superstition anymore. Right. We don't need, we, we can think, I mean, and even if he agreed with Peterson. See, but like, he let's doesn't, say that he does, he, but, right. but like, like the, the nice, because even Peterson doesn't go far enough with for some, he has the idea of, oh, we have the arch archetype of Christ. Take up your cross. That's what suffering is. That's, sorry, that's what life is. It's suffering. So if we take up our cross willingly and walk towards our deaths with our heads held high, meaningful life boom done yeah and see, then that's it and then we see die. it's it's but see, verveki is life. actually see verveki and brett are sort of verveki has thought through quite a bit more what brett is sort of wishing for okay because verveki says we need practices, we need community, we need all of these, we need all of these things right. that religion used to provide. Right. Because without those things, we are suffering. Brett hasn't got that far, gotten that far in his thought. Okay. Brett just imagines that this is why, again, I say the IDW is more political. Brett mm. just imagines that, well, there are political solutions to these issues. And I would argue, and I think Verveke is right, that in the 20th century, we saw a variety of political solutions or attempts at political solutions to the meaning crisis. One of them was communism. One of them was, was fascism. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that these ideologies then sort of take the place. But Peterson's critique, I think, is important 
Peterson notes that these ideologies are sort of crippled religions. And what I think yes. Peterson means by that is that what they don't afford is the full universe, the full story in which we can inhabit. And the reason we know that people are hungry for these stories is because we watch them try and live in the Harry Potter world, try and live in the Star Wars world, try and live and- In the and, Avengers world? Yeah, in the Avengers world, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there was this great, there's this great video that was out a number of years ago on College Humor that basically made the observation, Star Wars nerds and religious people are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that, that video was exactly right, because to be religious means- here we go to the house of the Lord. Here we offer our gifts to him. Here we hear the word of God. Here we live our life within the kingdom of God. That is what religion does. And so, in a sense, what John Verveke is looking for is, well, let's regain the functionality within a secular context. But, and John and I are quite open about this, I'm dubious about his project because I, as I say, as I'm saying increasingly now, and hopefully that the story verse is our machine code that because we are, because again, this, this part that doesn't decay is an autobiography. Mm -hmm. That's the code that links in our little story to our family story and our tribal story and our national story and our religious story. Mm -hmm. That's how we navigate this world because story I just caught a great clip today of a philosopher, University of Texas, he's teaching on Plato. He makes the observation, every time Plato doesn't quite know what's, can't quite explain something, he yeah. tells a story. And that's how we are because story is our machine code. Yeah, and, okay. And the problem that we have is the story we are getting from secularity says, story itself is illusory. It might be fun, but it isn't real. Okay, see, and I have spoken with some, like a friend of mine who really like, oh, so my friend Jay Shapiro, I've had him on a couple times, but he wants to do like a an old fashioned sort of religion versus atheism sort of debate with me. And I'm like, I just am not. You're not that kind of person. Ready? Well, it would be. It wouldn't be. You're high in agreeableness. I you gotta know. be low in agreeableness. I know. For something so it like wouldn't. That. It would be a discussion, though. Again, he's just actually pretty nice with me. To be have honest, have Esther do it. She'd love it. Okay. <laughs> oh, she would. And I'm. I yeah. I'm so not. I. It would. It wouldn't be a debate. It would be a discussion. To yep. be honest, but I told him like, man, I'm not ready. But like. I, I'm I'm starting to open up a bit more because again I don't enjoy that what I get after if, if like after this video I'm like I don't know what kind of comments I'll be having to deal with not because I'm afraid because I don't enjoy putting time to talk with brick walls. It's Send him to the Discord thing. server. There's plenty of people who want to talk to him there. <laughs> okay. There's plenty of people on their side there. So okay, yeah, I know, yeah. There. So okay. And, and in fact, my meetup groups have been small groups, basically about the meaning crisis. Okay. Because we have atheists and Christians, and we're not having apologetic debates like that. No. We're talking about this crisis that we have in common because it affects Christians too. 
Okay, and, and he is like, oh, I just think it's important to get st- to started talking about these things. Yeah. And I agree with that. And so I, again, I, I need to, I th- at some point, I'll say yes, but I just am not. You want to start a meetup in, in Calgary? I can, I've got people that'll help you. I could. I don't know. I don't know if I have the time. I put most of the time. Uh, You've got little kids. My kids. And then this is my, that's where my time goes. But anywho, it's, it's something to do. He, he, oh, sorry. I brought him up because in the past he has suggested uh, about the whole story thing. He's like, yes, I agree. Story is important. Let's get better stories. He just thinks that there's better stories than the Christ story. And I'm like, okay, I, I mean, humor him though. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what stories he means. And I'm like, well, I mean, Tolkien did a pretty good job in writing another story. But it, and I'm, I'm like, well, but England didn't adopt it as their story though. Like it's, and he didn't even want it to be the, the replacement to religion. But what I mean is I'm like, hey, well, what's, and I and I've got to ask. I mean, this will be what I ask him uh, next next time I have him on. Uh, what stories? What? Why? Why in all these stories? I mean, look at look at Luke Skywalker. Look at Lord of the Rings. Look at Harry Potter. You can find Christ in all those stories. I don't know. Wouldn't people Buddhists be like, yeah, you can find Buddha in all of them too? I don't know. Oh, you can. These are there. These are archetypal stories. Yeah. And the hero, and, but, well, the hero, the, the archetypal right. arch. Well, we, we see Christ as the arch hero, but the dying and rising God, C.S. Lewis worked through this stuff. So the inklings, again, yeah. these are guys that fought in world war one mm-hmm. and they came out of world war one and you know, the world was ripped apart inside mm-hmm. and out. Mm-hmm. And so Lewis and Tolkien the, the, the inklings were an attempt to sit down and write, the, share with each other the kinds of stories they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Nobody else was writing them, so they started writing them themselves. That's where we get Lord of the Rings. That's how we got Narnia, because they they knew they needed, but it's it's that one question that one student asked Jordan Peterson, why can't we just write the archetypal story? And it's because the story has to, that's where you get into Aristotle, the story has to take on the the stuff of our world for us to be able to connect with it. So We're you can't not, just not... come up with like there's something. <sighs> what am I saying? There's there's something that has to be inspire. It has to be a sort of inspiration that isn't common. Well, is it that... also has to be battle tested. Right. And... Which is why certain stories won't go away. But that's the thing. It's not like Christianity does not stand a, a, alone. Look at Islam. And I find that very problematic. The, well... the teachings of Islam. Because, I, I mean, I've studied it. I'm reading Yasmin Muhammad's book, Unveiled. It's, and I already knew lots of it, but this is like a look inside what a, a fundamentalist Muslim household. And I'm like, it's, I mean, and, and she's like, it, it isn't like, to me, she's like, it's all lies, you know, is what she's, she's coming from that perspective, but for all religion, 
you know, so she's like, she's an ex-Muslim and she, she doesn't have any, any religion now. And I, I can right. understand to an extent why, because that religion really, really did a number on her. And, but, but it still persists though. Yeah. So, I mean, you could ask a billion Muslims and they're like, yeah, yeah, ours is the right one. Yeah. There's also a billion Christians you could ask and they'll be like, yeah, no, ours is the right one. So that's, I kind of. If, well, yeah, I kind of am got, not sure what to do that with that. With, people look at that as if that's a defeater, but that's just a human thing. Ask a billion people, or ask, ask people, Democrats or Republicans, well, they'll pick one. In Canada, you know, you got more parties to choose from, yeah. um, you know, and people just choose different things. And people are like, well, that means nothing is true. Well, no, that's not right. It but, means but that. The, but the standing the test of time thing. Yeah, it's a big deal. Well, 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 but. I mean, Muhammad's story has not stood it as long, but it's about, what, 400, 450 years older or younger than Christianity. It's still very present. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These these we're very instant people in our culture. These things take long times to work through. But where are the temples to Marduk? Where are the temples to Augustus? And so in many ways, that which endures is that which endures. So we'll see. And the battle between Islam and Christianity, I guess we'll see, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's a 1,300-year-old battle. Because but, um, it's, Islam is not going away by any means. Because nope, it fulfills nope. something, though. It, sure. it fulfills a need. Absolutely. It gives meaning. So what do we do with that, though? We're like, oh, no, but like, Jesus is the way. And... Like, he stood the test you, of time, and then people bring up, okay, well, what about Islam, though? You be a Christian. You mean, like... That's what like, you do. That, so, the, the, I mean, the sort of... Lex, That's uh, always the answer. live it out and see Yes. Which... Well, just do it. Just be a Christian. Be a Christian to your children. Be a Christian to your husband. Be a Christian to your neighbor. Be a Christian in your city. Ah, uh, but then I get the uh, here's here, then I get the well. So what you know be be the the verses where Jesus says I I came to not bring peace but a sword. You're gonna have that's to work all that. Be? You're gonna have to work all that stuff through. And what your videos are doing is you're working all that stuff through. It's do the work you're already doing. Ah, oh, Paul, there's so many like there's not easy answers, man. No, they're not. No, it's they're all, not. But, it, but this gets into the weeds, though. Like people like pick out verses to throw. Yeah. And I, to me, I, I think a lot is metaphorical, and not literal. And again, who, what, who's the audience that's being spoken to? But okay, so just live it. And and that is that's what I've seen. It's not just. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but that's what I mean. Like if I'm looking at it from, well, what what is the best way to be and from and again i'm doing that i'm doing that modern thing you're, you described earlier about well for me from my testimony of what my life has shown if i live as if we're all embodying the divine logos and we're all starting at the same space no we're one's better than the same. Wait, we're not? not true. No, no, no. What? No. Democracy is a new thing. Well, you were born with advantages. Okay, no, no. I mean, I mean like literally like 
no one's we're all born in a fallen world see now well yeah that's that's true. what i mean but I, the, I don't think the, i'm better than than so and so or so and so and this is this is part of the trick here because before i said okay you're in a sense dislocated it's you choosing from a menu mm -hmm. and and so there's a dislocation there's an alienation there but the some of the democratic stuff that you've just said before, there's your foundness. That's what you're born into. That's in a sense the default, the default perspective that you're working from. And that is itself a perspective. Okay. And and it's helpful to see that. Because in a weird way, this meaning crisis is itself a thing too. Wait. This gets very meta. I don't want to go all Jordan what, Hall on you. Okay, what do you mean by a thing too? There's, there's, in a sense, the myth of the outside that we have in our culture. I can step out of the religion in which I was raised in and choose another. What's interesting is that former evangelicals who become atheists, they still act like evangelicals. You They're know, just pushing... Other things. I find ex people who leave Christianity and become atheists to be the most intense in their beliefs of atheism. Isn't that funny. <laughs> I do. I I do see that. Yeah. They're so they're vehemently. Yeah. So yeah. so we can't ex we can't escape our formation, even though in this culture we have such angst and alienation from it. Okay, but wait. What if I? But is that not? Is that not a sort of a Christian way of thinking? Oh, it's to, deeply Christian. Well, no, but I mean to think that I am, I like we're we're starting like I'm not better than others. Is that not? Yes. That is. That's very. That's very that's Augustinian of you. It's all what? It's oh, okay. It's very Augustinian of you. Oh, is it? It's very, very total depravity ish. We're oh, all sinners. Oh, I I hate total. No, I don't want to say I hate it, but I don't, I'm not a fan of total depravity. No. But I do think we're all like, I don't think I'm better than anyone else because right. we're all, we're all lost. You're a, you're, you're a good democratic person. That's good. But you don't think that other people from other societies who are also Christians would have that same perspective? Oh, that's deeply Christian. That's, that's what I mean. Okay, because when right. I, I, I've tweeted this out about how I'm like, I think that I don't think I'm better than anyone else. I think that we're all image bearers. Um, it's Romans 1, 2, and 3. That's okay. where it comes from. And, and I've had, I got, I got a, I got like a lot of, not a lot, but a bit of pushback. Like, you don't think you're better than mass murderers? You don't think you're better than Hitler or Stalin? And it, it's very foreign to some to hear that. I've sort of grown up believing that. And it's kind of, um, it's, it's a sort of, it makes, for me, it, it's, uh, it's sort of freeing to not go around, like, making a hierarchy of where you fit. But I know we can't escape hierarchies, though. But, I, but we're, that's what actually, a question I, I've had that's not really, it is maybe to do with the first shall be last and the last shall be first principle. It's literally our material, even evolutionary world of hierarchies turned on its head. 
And what is that? How, what do we do with that? I'm not free of hierarchical thinking. And you shouldn't be. But You but, can't help but, but me going deal with hierarchies. Thinking that I am not better than anyone else. Right. It sort of has with this sort of thing. You that, are not better than anyone else with regard to what? Mm, my God is not, point, God is no, that, that you have within yourself the potential of being a Nazi prison guard or a communist gulag right, officer. Right, right. You have, and again, this is where Peterson comes along and he's very Augustinian in his anthropology because okay. he says, when you go visit Auschwitz, you should understand that there, but he doesn't say it this way because yeah. there, but for the grace of God, go I deeply Christian. What okay. happens in Christianity is if you have eyes to see how Jesus talks about status and hierarchies, he's playing with these things all the time because the Roman Empire was very stratified. Yeah. And so you could find this, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is full of this. And when I, um, I don't often reach back on these shelves, but uh, someone recently was asking, is my favorite um, commentary on the Gospel of Luke by Joel Green okay. really turned my, that's a big my eyes to a lot of that. Yeah, that's a big commentary. <laughs> um, when I was going through the book of First Peter, I began to notice how Jesus takes these things and is always working these ideas of status. Okay, you see it in in Philippians two. Right, Jesus, although he's very nature God, which is you can't get any higher in the hierarchy did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, but became a slave and suffered the death of a slave. And because he did that, he is elevated to the highest place. And, and you see this in Christianity all the time. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus, the, the disciples are elbowing each other for to supremacy. To get the first place in the kingdom. And what right. does Jesus say to them? In the, that's the first shall be last verse, I'm pretty he, sure, right? He says, well, he looks around and there's a little boy in the room, in this rented room. Oh, unless you have the faith of a child, is that it? Okay. Well, not the faith, but he says, no. unless okay. you're like that child. What okay. do you mean like that child? Why is that child in that room? That child's in that room taking dishes. That child is acting as an unpaid servant. Okay. Probably in the rented room. Okay. And Jesus is, and then um, John 13 when Jesus comes in and he's about to show them the extent of his love, he strips down, wraps a towel around himself, and is going to wash their feet. And how does right. Peter respond? No, ma I can't remember. no master, right. you can't be doing this for us. That's right. And Peter <laughs> says, that's right. And Jesus says, unless you let me wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And Peter's like, then wash all of me. And Jesus says, Feet's enough. Um, <laughs> oh, that Jesus. But but if you pay attention to these things, they're throughout the Gospels and throughout the New Testament mm -hmm. that Jesus both brings an equality. Among you, there shall be no masters. That's how it works in the Gentiles. But you're all brothers and sisters. So he brings a certain equality among them. But there's still very much a hierarchy. So there's actually both. And Jesus is is modulating both of them throughout the Gospels. And that gets embedded into Christianity. And that's why when you say in the increasingly post-Christian world, I'm no better than the people who have done these atrocities. See, 
already out there, people are like, oh no, oh no, because they've already modified the system to have good guys and bad guys. Right. And well, we're part of the good guys. And right. then there's those other people over there. And well now- but How do you it, know you wouldn't if you were there? How do you well, know? And, and what happens, you know, Rene Girard is really good at this because here's the thing. When you list yourself, and Solzhenitsyn did the same thing, when you list yourself among the good people, well, you've just, in a sense, elevated yourself, yeah. forgiven yourself, yeah. turned a blind eye to everything, and are now pointing the finger at the other. And yeah. who in scripture is the accuser? That's the kingdom of Satan. Right. It's the accusation. Right. And so when they come to arrest Jesus, Peter takes a sword, chops off the, the ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus says, put that away, puts the ear back on, take me. Okay. And Jesus says, anybody's blood's going to be shed, let it be mine. Okay, well, what do you think about that verse? I can't remember where it was, but, you know, the one about the Jesus saying, I don't, I, I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah, he's bringing division. And he does. He brings terrible division in the world. Okay, that's what I said. That it's more like a, a sort of projecting into the future. But, but Jesus, shouldn't he be bringing Jesus, peace? Jesus, and, shouldn't it be love and peace and 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 uh, sort of what it, like a, a bringing together rather than tearing apart? Sure, but people don't want people don't want things brought together. You know, now in the U.S., depending on which side you're on, the blue or the red states, do you want peace? No. What do you want? We can't. We can't. Peace is irresponsible. Okay. No justice, no peace, right? That's the cry. Right, okay. And so, no, we want love, but you they don't deserve love. Okay, so it's, it's him saying what it's going to be, not what... There are sometimes two different things I've seen in the Bible. It talks about um, give to the poor, and then, oh, the poor will always be among you. Well, yeah, which is it? Good? Which is it? Oh, it's both. But it's but it's like sometimes it's speaking to what you should do, and sometimes it's speaking to what will be happening and what because he knows because we know it's like human nature will always take over, but does it doesn't mean you don't strive to eradicate poverty, but it will always be there. So is that sort of the dichotomy of, of what ties like? Well, he is like you know, blessed are the peacemakers, but also I will bring division. Because yeah, that's yeah, what's going to yeah. happen. Well, well, think about it this way. There was a culture war going on in the first century. Mm -hmm. Okay? You have the Romans and the Jews who were collaborating with the Romans and all these different factions that had a menu of option yeah. for dealing with this crisis. Kill the Romans. Go hide in the desert. Yeah. Fight a subtle culture war about religious observance and and subtle little culture, culture cues. Mm-hmm. These people hated each other. They could okay. all agree that the world would be better without Jesus. Okay. So did bring did did Jesus bring unity? Yeah, he did. How? By they death. all agreed he should die. Okay. So did he bring conflict? Yeah, he did. Hmm. They all all the conflict was pointed at him. Right. Hmm. That Jesus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. So people look at Jesus today. Oh, Jesus is so loving and tolerant and nice. And it's like, first of all, you haven't read the Gospels. Right. Because that second of all, 
whether or not you believe in the resurrection, mm-hmm. um, to the degree that you accept any history about Jesus, the one thing in history that is the most was the most foundational historic fact is that they killed him. Why right. would they kill him? Well, they killed other messiahs too. Well, what kind of a messiah was he? He was the wrong kind of messiah. Right. Yeah, I know. He because didn't. there were lots of others who said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get a group of people together. We're going to get a big Twitter following, a big YouTube following. We're going to get all these people. We're going to infiltrate them with our ideas. And then we're going to have them vote or we're going to arm them. Then we're going to take this city and that city and that city. And we're going to win the world. Jesus didn't do that. Right. And that could very well be why Judas jumped ship. Because everyone's kind of waiting for Jesus to do this. To do the thing. To do the, to do the, the thing. To do the Alexander the Great thing. Yeah. To do the Augustus thing. Yeah. To do the Obama or the Trump thing. Yeah. To do that kind of thing. The Genghis Khan thing. The Genghis Khan thing. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, I'm going to do the craziest thing you can imagine in this game. I'm going to lose. And I'm not just going to lose literally. I'm going to lose bigly. <laughs> And when I do this, I'm going to win. And people say, well, I don't believe in the resurrection. Then you have no idea why he won and keeps winning. Well, that's the thing is he does keep winning in the hearts and minds of so many people. He he's not going away, even if you don't believe, even if and this brings us over to Brett, even if I am talking about all of these. okay, let's just say like even if I didn't believe even if I was coming at it from a secular standpoint, you could still be like, okay, so he is winning though in so, in so many circles. Well, how do we, how do, how do we supplant that? Cause you can't just take it away. You can't just be like no science because that doesn't replace it. It's not, it, is, it isn't the proper system. It, it, it's not a community. It's not a, you go to, to science church and you connect with other fellow science people and then you go home and then you have potlucks with those science science people like there's not a community everyday life the way that say church is i i it seems like brett and and maybe i guess berveke as well from what you've described i'm not as familiar with his work but that they want to come up with a something that i don't know if it's not necessarily scientific but a something to bring people together to replace not just Christianity. Yeah, in the West, it's Christianity, sure. But well, I mean, they very much want it scientific. Well, oh, they do want it scientific. But, but, oh, okay, yeah, they well, want it scientific. That's okay, the well, thing that they needed to have. They needed to have that Because that's what they believe in. Okay, they believe in that, even though they don't say it's belief. They say it's facts, but they do believe in it. See, that's where they get, they get upset, though, because I've seen people, Jordan Peterson, do this. Well, you know, I know that you're arguing against me, but the fact that you're sitting here using your logos to talk to me is is actually me winning. And I would be really annoyed too if someone said that to me, like, well, you know, you're you're uh, billions of years of evolution, even though I do believe in evolution, but whatever is actually the thing that has culminated in your mind and your logic and your beliefs and whatever, that reptile brain that is whatever, like corresponding with the frontal lobe, that's what's making you talk about believing in Jesus. Like, you know, I I don't really love that as a win, as like, I win because of 
the, the depth of the things I believe that's inside of you speaking out, but it, I just, it doesn't, I don't know how it can work. Like if, if I am say talking with people who aren't in the religious sphere, who are saying, oh yeah, there's a meaning crisis. We need to do something about it. Well, what do we do? And like you are saying, yeah, there is. And Jesus is the answer. Find a church. Right? I know, that's but, like, I but Find that's a church. an old answer is the thing. That's the old answer. It, it is. It is. Like, I, I don't even say it. I usually just ask the questions because I want to hear people's perspectives. And... I am like, I'm legitimately curious as well as like, okay, well, what's the answer to this meaning crisis then? Because, and it always stays, it doesn't, I don't get a real answer. I've never gotten a real answer. Was it something that you can just put out there? Well, I, well, other than Or is it something that you have to live? Again, another thing from Verveke is his four Ps. There's four ways of knowing. There's propositional. Yeah. There's perspectival. There's participatory and there's procedural. Okay. And so, and if we're talking like this, yeah. the the propositional will be forefronted because just of the medium we're using. Okay. And that's an issue. But you don't live in that medium. That medium's an aspect. That logos is an aspect of our of our life. But okay. at the beginning of the Gospel of John, the logos becomes flesh and tabernacles among us. Mm -hmm. So it's participatory, it's procedural, it's perspectival. And so the answer to the meaning crisis is going to be is going to have is going to have all four of those to it. And it will always in this age be insufficient because the kingdom has not yet come. But it will always be an estuary of the now and the not yet. And yeah, these are all very old answers. Well, and it it seems like they want to take. They, I don't know. I don't. I. I. I've not been okay. I don't know how to come up with some how anything else can work other than faith well, in something. Remember, remember what I told you before. What you should. The answer to the meaning crisis for you is be a Christian. But people and figure that out. But you're gonna have to but, figure okay, that out. Okay, I could say that. I could be like, "Hey guys, I found the answer to the meaning crisis. It's been with me all along. Be a Christian." But there you go. everyone, there, they, everyone on my Twitter, most would be like, "No, that's superstitious right. and silly." Now let me now let me make an observation to you. Let's think of who would be the greatest preacher in the history of the world? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, come on. Sunday school answer. Okay, Jesus? Yeah, there you go. Je Bingo, I don't Jesus. Know. I'm like, I thought, I'm like, Read oh, the Gospels. Okay. Read the Gospels. Okay. Jesus is the preacher. In fact, Jesus preaching is so good, and Tom Holland makes this point, that four writers writing about him managed to write things that have fascinated not only that culture at that time, but every other, many other cultures since then over the history of the world, horizontally among cultures too. Jesus is that good of a preacher. Okay. But, okay. but Jesus preached to people and guess what? What? They often didn't get it. They didn't get it at all. 
He annoyed them. He fascinated them. He was such, he was so annoying. In fact, they killed him. He was that good of a preacher. So you think you're going to go to Twitter and have some words to say that everyone's just going to fall all over and say, oh. I don't think that. No, that's the thing. Right. And that's, and so when you say, well, what's the answer? Well, live the Christian life. Well, it's working, it's, it's working out your own salvation. Right? Yes. That's. Yeah. And that's right. And being a witness. You know, it, I love the beginning of the book of Acts. The disciples come to Jesus after the crucifixion. Oh, after the resurrection. Oh, and then he's with them for 40 days. And they say, now will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And if I they were Jesus, I'd go asking. like this. Okay. Because they don't understand anything. And he completely sidesteps the question and actually answers the question and says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And if he had said, and by the way, if you had never met me and lived nice little lives in Galilee, you probably would have been okay, maybe gotten killed in 70 AD, but some of you have died of old age before then. Mm -hmm. Now, instead, by following me, you're going to go all over the world. There's going to be lots of nasty little fights. All the, all the churches that you found will probably squabble and have lots of different sin problems. And most of you are going to die unnaturally young at the hands of others who hate you just like they hated me. There's the package. Is that what you'd like? And they say, no, but where else will we find the words of life? There's the Christian life. Sometimes I say that to people and say, why would anyone want to become a Christian? I'd say, I don't know. It's John 6. Jesus says, eat my body, drink my blood. And everybody leaves him. And he looks at the disciples and says, what about you? Are you going to leave me? No. Where else will we find the words of life? There's the Christian life. And, okay. <laughs> but I just, I, I, so many, I just, the, the echoes of, and again, like, it's not bad. It's just the sort of modern day, but we've moved past that. We're, oh, yeah. we're enlightened now. We know science. That's, that's, that's right. That's, so that's why that's why we have this meaning crisis. Congratulations, we've graduated to the meaning crisis. I know. Yeah, I know. And it, it's people. <laughs> it's it's people saying, but we have science. It's we're we're post enlightenment now. We know better. We have science, and it brought us the internal combustion engine, and so now we're killing the world. And in fact, we will we. Well, we know how to stop climate change, at least if you buy that whole package, which I know many of my audience doesn't, so I hear it in the comment section. But, okay, but notice, now we're impotent. So now Brett Weinstein is like, we've got to do something, or we're not getting out of this. And it's like, yes, yeah, yeah. It's always been that way, Brett. What there's do you propose? Something. Yeah, there's always, a, there's always something. It's just more global now, it seems right. like. And the... And the universal answer throughout human history has been totalitarian, grab power, threaten people with the sword. That's how we'll fix it. Yeah, that's what right. And, well, and that's why I think the idea of flipping hierarchies on their heads, you are, you win by losing. You, you become a king by being a servant. How are you going to beat a guy that every time you kill him, he raises from the dead, and he doesn't haunt you like a ghost, but he loves you like a brother. How are you going to beat a guy like that? That's why Jesus keeps winning. Yeah, he he's not going away. Like, even if people... No, and I do, because I don't... I I know I can't escape my, my worldview. 
but I do try to see the minds, and I'm probably not doing the best job, but I try to see the minds of, well, because I have my own. Doing well. I can see it. You're doing well. <laughs> Thanks. I have my own doubts because since, since, be, uh, um, since subscribing to evolution and seeing a sort of, well, if I say believing in evolution, I, I, can't, I always get crap for saying you don't oh, believe Esther in Oh, Esther is going to come at you. She's going to so come at you. Know, but anyway, already, I know going. she already has. She already wrote me. She wrote, she wrote me back when I mentioned it in the first place. She sent me a bunch of stuff. But even if it's not the literal Darwinian, there's. I do think that there are processes over millions of years that have whatever. Anyway, I don't think I agree. that the world is 6,000 years old at the very least. But I do think that there are mix of i do believe in ex nihilo out of nothing creation sort of intelligent design style coming out of whatever and all the people actually uh, in this i will give them this i've had a number of scientist friends who are, who are like give me intelligent design any day over the woke crisis <laughs> so i find that quite funny actually um but anyway, I, I ever since sort of subscribing to that and understanding that, because Peterson lays out, lays out the biological with the symbolic in Genesis so well. So there's a lot of overlap between what happens in Genesis that's symbolic of actually what really made us come into consciousness in our evolutionary history. And so it wasn't, it wasn't someone like Dawkins who made me be like, oh, evolution, okay. He says I have a mind virus. Why would I believe him? It was Peterson who showed me the, I guess, uh, compatibility. So d does that make sense? Anyways, I'm Makes starting to go into sense. my story. Makes perfect sense. So so I will, I will explain this more if you ever have me on. So I don't want to go into that sort of waking up, but ever since then, I've I've had a bit. I wouldn't. I, I guess you could kind of call it a bit of a meaning crisis myself. I'm sure you have. Sort of. Well, I wrote you. Do you remember? I wrote you. I wrote. Did I, you? Yes, I wrote you a while ago. I was like. I get, I get letters from people a lot, do. and I can't always remember. I. You probably do. So I. I wrote you because I saw you on Ben's uh, Benjamin Boyce's channel. Oh, okay. And you were like smart and stuff, and and uh, you just seemed like not the typical Protestant preacher man. I you seemed like you would be able to think outside the box, and so I wrote you questioning about. I have a box here somewhere. <laughs> here I have, I have a box. I have a box. So I wrote you All questioning. All right, let's see if I can think okay. within the box. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, literality. Okay. <laughs> the literal internet. So I know. I gotta so, wear okay. this from now on <laughs> on my videos. No, but now you're in a box, so that's. I feel this, like the, we're kind of this like iron I, box of secularism. I have a new prop. We're getting a little, Ooh, a little Doctor Seuss-ish. Can you think of it in a box? Can you think of it? Okay. So I actually wrote you um, wondering about the resurrection, I think, and the bodily resurrection. And I'm like, how- Did I write back? I hope I wrote back. You did. Yes, you okay, did. Good. And you, you worded it as 
Well, you know what? We live out our stories. Our our stories are our our big stories are mimicked in our life stories. And our our so you said it would it does it not make sense that if we are the bodily representation of our big stories of our myths that the word would not have been made flesh as well and and that is me that is my interpretation of what you wrote me it wasn't actually that but that um, and it's like for me i'm like oh of course of course this the story was made flesh for us to understand it to relate to it and to see it in action because we live our, out our own bodily stories of course the story maker had to come so if so that's where i i don't know even if people are like whatever andrea that is not clicking for me to my uh, secular audience fine but but one thing we can't deny is the importance of stories to human beings i mean i don't know there might be something or other i don't think that there are other like like animals or man, even in in our primate world they don't have stories they don't learn the way that we learn I, I think that there's something that about stories that and and remembering our stories um, that makes us human and and Re remember our stories don't decay. Well, they get they, they we build on them. Yes, they look do. At, yes, at, we look do. Look at the Old and the New Testament. And one thing that Peterson really points out the sort of hypertext of the Bible. The fact that yeah. it isn't a giant mishmash and how does it make sense with all these different authors? You know, people saying, well, here's why is the Bible true? Look at all the different people who wrote it and, and it, how it's kind of somewhat contradictory and others. And, and one says it's fulfilling the other and, and you don't have to keep it, but, but it's fulfilled and blah, blah, blah. But it's all one story, which is kind of amazing to me. Um, even if you just look at it as like an, an interesting text, it is very interesting that it it makes sense. And anyway, I just, I do think that one thing, even if you don't believe in the things you and I are talking about, we can almost all agree. And that's sort of the starting point of the meaning crisis is agreeing that stories are foundational. I think, you know, you've got to find what you, you all agree on. So that's for me, and especially from this conversation, I think, okay, let's agree to, to how important stories are and um, how we need stories. And that's actually what I want to talk with this one, um, like the ancient uh, Aristotle specialist guy, uh, Stephen Klaus. I said, I, well, I ended actually, I think, or I can't remember if I recorded it or if it was after I stopped recording and I asked him, I'm like, but we've always believed our stories, Stephen, historically. We've always believed them to be true. Aristotle didn't believe those stories. Plato didn't believe the stories, but he still put them in his, his writings. And, and I, he said, well, Aristotle thought that the people needed them because they believed them. So I'm like, well, don't we need to believe them? And he's like, well, that's the next episode. And then we stopped and I didn't get to go further. So that's what my question is, like, how do we need to believe our stories? How can these 
secular scientists, scientism people, how can they come up with stories? We have to believe they are true. Right? They have stories they believe are true, but those stories They're not aren't terribly though. helpful. What? They're not very inspired. They're really boring. You mean like no, they're scientists? Not. And, they're, scientists? and they're not battle tested and they keep changing. And that's why they don't win. Because science is always fluid. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, and it's, science is a, a particular way of looking at the world that is very powerful and very wonderful in many ways, but- They would call it, it objective. They would call it object, an objective, the only objective way of seeing the world. And I call that the monarchical vision, but we don't possess that power. Okay. We can't look, we can't look at the universe from nowhere. We can, we always look at it from a place. And as you know, and so Peterson used this, uses the illustration of walking through a cornfield. Well, here's the thing about a cornfield. You could stand outside of a cornfield and talk forever about the, this, this species of corn that was given to us by Monsanto or whatever, but that doesn't tell you anything about how to walk through it. Okay. And, and that's where action is well, really the, important. The, the is ought sort of. Yeah. Walking and and Verveke's, you know, the Verveke's, the thing he brings into this thing is really this relevance realization, which is this really cool idea. Um, but I, I don't have time to go into that now. But, okay. you know, but, you know, so, yeah. So John's, I, I really like John's work. It's been really helpful to me. Well, I, I, I would like to talk to him because I do need to hear. I don't know how they're going to do it without a faith based something, even a religious framework. I don't. They do have a religious framework, though. They don't call it that. How do you? Yeah, and and that that would be very interesting to ask John that question. Maybe next time I talk to him, I'll ask him because it's it's just so so. So what is religion? And the word religion is so terribly fraught. And there are actually the, the problem with the word religion is that there are too many competing definitions of it yeah. that are all valid, but within the context of a conversation, what are we actually trying to talk about? So that's that's what's. That's the challenge. Does my does my like conf confusion about it make sense? Like like about like well, do, oh, yeah. we have to be we have to believe in the stories. Okay, what? Okay, I'm gonna end it. What I I have to ask. I suppose I need to ask them this. Someone who believes in it. They wouldn't say believe, but they believe it. What what are their stories? What is what are they? Well, what are the stories? I guess that that would maybe be Verveke or Brett. I don't know. What it, what is the story like? Oh, let's start with Newtonian physics, and or or do we go back to you know Pythagoras or like what like what's their what are their stories? What are what are we believing in? What what's the framework? Yeah. What yeah, does it look yeah. like? Yeah, yeah, and can it be can it be something? And this is again where you know the observations that Peterson made about these very old stories. Mm -hmm. These stories have been worked on and worked on and worked on yeah. and compressed and compressed and, like and compressed. Off and added to, and the bad has been moved and the good has stayed. And that they're purified over time and they become really durable, powerful things because they're very, very old and they've been battle tested by innumerable cultures. And, and, and you don't just make that thing up today. You won't know if you've actually done it or no one can know if you've actually done it until a hundred or a thousand years from now. We're still reading Augustine. That's how huge Augustine is. Right. And 
but there are so few of those. Plato, Augustine, Aristotle, Socrates, there's so few of them. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, and then, you know, well, and well, then I Jesus. Mean, whoever wrote the Quran, that's still here too. That's still here too. That's the that's thing. still here too. Like, it, it, I don't agree with those practices, but it's still here. That's right. That's right. Just old doesn't mean right. Right. But it means you'd better take it seriously. Right. Because, and the opposite of our cultural bias, which is, oh, new is better. Eh, might be. Let's see 500 years from now how better it is. Well, I'm not going to be here 500 years from now. Uh-huh. Oh, little center of the universe. I just, I have such a, I have such a fuzzy, I don't know what they're, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what they're, how they're going to do this. Because again, I'm speaking with you, who we agree on the answer. Easy peasy. Yeah, there right. you go. <laughs> I know oh, it's yeah. not easy peasy though. Because, because they say, and like, like we correct. have to live it. I, 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 you mentioned that. Right, right. But both of them it. say you can't, it can't be lived in this in this time of science? That's the answer. And that answer, many, many people agree with. Okay, and so then you, that's our wait, struggle. Can you explain that when they say that? What does that mean then? Well, it's exactly what Brett said in that little tweet that, well, you know, Jesus, you know, if he's going to be a viable candidate for a moral philosophy, you're going to have to deal with, you know, the magical element, yes. which is not viable in the 21st century. Exactly. Yes. That's the argument. And yes. it's a powerful argument. That isn't just something that's yes. dismissed, even though I can at times be dismissive. But that's a powerful argument. And you and I have to wrestle with that. And that's what we're doing. And okay, what does it mean to be a Christian now? And you know, we are not exempt from the meaning crisis. We're just as fraught by it because right. we stew in those same juices. Okay, so that's the problem also. Because sometimes I, I I don't mean to, but I slip into that sort of hubris of, well, I've got the answer. But it's not easy and it's not... But, but, then, I, but then I slip into the bits of doubt where I'm like, oh, is that... Is and you though? couldn't... You, you cannot connect with people who are out there unless you have the doubt. Okay. The doubt is important because it forces you to wrestle with the same questions your friends and neighbors are wrestling with. Mm -hmm. And that's how you actually become helpful over time. So okay, your I'm, doubt is not your enemy. Let me grab something. Hold on. On the Discord, I've been having a lot of fun on that Discord, by the way. I figured you would. You're kind of like a bit of a celebrity there. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> okay. Never mind. I'm gonna that. I'm gonna create a fake account so that I don't have to be a celebrity on the Discord, and I can go <laughs> on and people can call me a call me a jerk or whatever, and <laughs> okay. that'd be fine. Okay. Um, I'll come as an angel unawares. <laughs> entertaining <laughs> angels. Yeah, right. See if anyone entertains me. Okay. So someone wrote. So okay, on the Discord that you invited me to a few days ago. Um, I was talking about, hey guys, is this safe for me to express my doubts here? <laughs> Will I get eaten alive? And you know, they're like, oh no, this is the place for doubts, you know? And um, someone, uh, a guy goes by the name of Voth, who says he's an atheist, but I don't, 
don't know, he's not an, a kind of atheist I've ever met before, but he, uh, he said, as an atheist, oh, and my phone, as an atheist, when I've heard believers express doubt, it makes it seem more tangible, like vulnerable and endearing in a very human way. I can respect the devotion more thoroughly because it's in spite of doubt. This is courageous. And it made me feel very good. Good. Anyway. And that Discord is a special place filled with wonderful people. Well, it, it really I've is. I've never had someone who didn't, who, who was outside of my framework, say that to me about faith. And I've always had people be like, oh, mm, you're good. You, Follow that doubt because you're gonna you're gonna understand that how wrong religion is. You're just you know, so it's very interesting to hear that. It's interesting to hear that as an idea, a way of looking at it. But and it's I, I do think that being honest about your doubts is important because a lot of that sort of fundamentalist style don't question, just believe that that's not helping anyone including that person um but yeah i i just don't know i don't know I, it, there is a there is a problem lots of people can agree there's a problem that, that uh, everyone everyone who i've talked to about the meaning crisis has been like yes there is absolutely something missing and but we don't agree on how to solve it and I don't know, I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna be solved. You're not God. <laughs> but I'm You're very, just a little human being like I'm the rest of curious. us. I'm very curious. I wanna know what, I know, but I wanna know what people think. I wanna know like, well, what do you think? Like how- Oh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, I know, but I don't, it just doesn't seem, I guess, and not, there's no easy answer, even if we do have religion as an answer you're right it, it's not like it's easy but it is something that i don't i don't think you can just create something that you call not a religion but functions as a religion i i don't see it you said it before you can't stand the test it has to stand the test of time right so you wouldn't know if you did it within your lifetime right what okay i guess i'm not you're like talk to them i'm not in that space but I just, I don't know. It just seems like you think you can do that? You by yourself? Are I mean, some people did. Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, they all founded religions. They've been around for and a look while. And look where they are. I was very different. Only, well, we, only, we say only one of them's alive. Well, yeah. Very different. Places. Christians are such cheaters. I know. <laughs> I guess I just, I'm very like, yeah, I'm very like, I don't know. I don't know where this ends. And it kind of sounds like you're like, you won't ever. <laughs> no one will know. But, but I do think that it's important. It's, there are some, some layers that can be late, like, like for conversations like this about stories. And if we can get to the truth of, you don't have to have any faith to agree that there's something in humans that is like searching for something to bring right. meaning. And right. I think that's, that's right. a good place to end. But I guess I would like, like people, if you don't agree with us, you can say, 
Please be kind. <laughs> but Paul, okay, are there any closing thoughts? Like, what do you think? Did, was this, did this make sense, Paul? Oh, this was a wonderful conversation. I think people are really going to enjoy it and get a lot out of it. I feel like nothing was solved and that I don't even know if I said what I wanted to. That's what YouTube is for. There's always another recording. There's always another shot to get it right. I'm still left. I don't know if I know more. Like, I'm still like, I think I might have more questions now. Well, that's fine. Then you'll have plenty of meaningful things to do for the next couple of decades. Yeah, well, I did cover, you know what? This covered the Christian perspective, which is, it's not something I've really covered on my channel before. I did touch on it with Esther. But this kind of it really fully pulls that out and teases it out. Okay. So I appreciate you for being that face for me. And I think it's, uh, I, think, I think we're done. Okay. We're done? Okay. Okay. I think so. I think so. I think this was good. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. <laughs>